and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 2. With your host, Byron Rogers, this podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the Private Security Professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective Executive Protection Agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, enjoy the show. Out. Boom! Hey, what's going on, y'all? I am here today with... uh, a gentleman I've got a lot of respect for. So recently I was at EPI um, and man, it was a tremendous learning experience. Um, and one of our, uh, tremendous, I couldn't say enough about that learning experience. And I did a review about it, I'll attach it to the show notes. So if you guys wanna know what it's like to go there, uh, you'll see that link down at the bottom. One of our primary instructors was uh, John Musser and uh, it was really quite an honor to learn from him over that week of what literally turned out to be a hundred hours of getting after it. I mean, at least, you know, so it's an honor to have you here, sir. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you asking. How are you doing? You worn the hell out? You doing okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. I, um, so I recently got this Garmin watch and it nice. tells me my body. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty kind of cool little gadget, you know, <laughs> but it tells me my body battery. And so um, <laughs> I've learned. So for the first week, it was like, you're dying, go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, I was at like 10%. I feel fine. The watch is kind of, you know, it's the algorithm. I think it's for normal people. So it's kind of like, you, you know, it's literally like go to bed now you're going to die. And I'm like, no, this is how I live. Uh, so, you know, I is, know, that, I is that something that. you, is that something you can plug in for? Like if, you know, you, it tells you that you're low, can you plug in at night or anything? Is there something you can do for that to recharge or it doesn't work that way? Uh, you recharge your body, this battery. Your, no, your body battery. Can you recharge that? I wish. Plug that in I, at night. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I guess that's what we're all trying to do, you know, <laughs> laying down. But uh, yeah, man, now it's starting to get an idea and of kind of how I roll and it's starting to actually become more accurate. But it's funny. Uh, I guess I charge up during the day with whatever I'm doing, you know, so that's, that's when my battery actually charges up more depending on my vitals and all that. But yeah, man, I'm doing good overall, good Good. running as fast as I can. And it's an honor to be able to, you know, sure. 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 Completely. What do you want to get into today? What are you thinking? We're going to talk a little bit about, all right. So when I was at EPI, we went through this whole curriculum. Yeah. Anything you could understand, you, you could imagine about executive protection and then we got to this block where you were talking about all the things i wish as a young man because i started when i was 21 in this game someone would have told me at the beginning of my career (laughs) and they just yeah absolutely and it, it was very um i just was hoping everybody in the class was soaking it up because it was it was a lot of really valuable life lessons 
So uh, that's what I want to dive into today was really that block, you know, after. Uh, I appreciate that. The, um, it's interesting. We, um, it's interesting to me. That's the, that block of instruction, either people are either very pleased with it and take away a lot of it, or they're very angry about it. And, and this is in the context of, of me being in front of you guys for two full days, right? Two 18 hour days. So we've already, as a class and a, as a presenter, we've already built up a relationship for two full days, right? We've gone through two full days. We've already built this relationship up. So that class in the context of that, um, I put it at the end. It's my last full presentation that I give and, you know, other than the reviews and all that sort of stuff, it's my last full presentation that I give. And I put it there because I knew that I needed to have everyone with me for them to get the most out of it. Because if you, if you go to hit people with stuff like that, most people, stuff like that, without having built up some form of relationship, then it's going to really piss them off. And uh, sometimes we'll have instructors come in throughout the week, you know how we do, and mm -hmm. an instructor will walk into that and they'll see that for the first time and it'll really, it'll really get to them. It'll really piss them trigger off. Trigger them too, huh? It'll trigger them, yeah, it'll get them all upset. And we yeah, don't want to yeah, trigger yeah. any snowflakes. You know that. We don't want to hurt anybody's yeah. feelings. No. <laughs> of course not, man. That's, that's the game these days. But I love it because I feel like, you know, true, uh, you could use the word love or care or leadership has so much to do with the hard lessons. You know, I feel like we need, I really respect, you know, uh, a leader that can give you the hard lessons that you need, you know. Uh, I think it's very, it's even a masculine value to, you know, this is the standard. You need to perform to this standard for your own good. Love me or hate me, but I got to give it to you. And that's what I really found refreshing, you know, about that information for sure. Well, thanks. Thanks for being there. Thanks for participating. It was a big deal. If you get it as a presenter, as you know, you got to get some feedback and you got to get stuff from the people in the crowd. And it's got to give you energy so that you can produce the best in front of them. And, and production is what counts, right? Performance is what counts. You're either performing Absolutely. or you're not. We can both, we can philosophize, we can be philosophical about a lot of things, but you either right. can do it or you can't. Absolutely. And yeah, if you want to do it, you got to do the thing to have the power, right. <laughs> you know, right. Right. That's exactly. the game. I, I love it. Okay. So first question I always kick off, who are you at your core, big John? Who are you at your core? I think uh, at my core, I would say I am a, I'm a teacher. I'm a coach at my core. I'm a coach yeah. at my core. I've enjoyed everything else I've ever done, but, and I'm talking about coaching as far as helping people learn. I don't like the, the term teach and I don't like the term train. I don't like either one of those terms because you teach, you teach kids not to piss on the floor and you teach dogs to not chew on the furniture. Uh, with adults, you help them learn, right? So, so that's the way I feel about that. Uh, and, uh, and preachy stuff gets on my nerves and, the vast majority of people we've had in front of us that call themselves teachers or trainers, they were more preachy and interested in what they were getting out of it than what you're getting out of it. Uh, that, that's where, I, where I'm at. I enjoy the rest of the stuff I do. I've had good success at it. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's sort of where I'm at now. Yeah, that's awesome. 
that's valuable. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's becoming more rare and rare to find people that are more interested in the exchange that way, where it's not just, uh, where they're really interested in what the students can get out of the exchange rather than, you know, what, what they can get. We live in a consumeristic society. So this is just like a byproduct probably of the world. Sure. But <laughs> for me, for me to be really good at protecting somebody, I have to be, to be at a, a high level of protecting somebody. I have to be, I have to be able to, to pass that knowledge on. Right. So in me to yeah. be a high level in anything that I do, I've got to be good at, at, at passing that information on. And mm-hmm. the more I pay attention to the audience and the more I pay attention to the person that I'm talking to, whether it's an audience of a classroom, whether it's also the audience of an auditorium or whether it's just you and I talking, the more I pay attention to you and see, uh, and define your needs as a, as a customer, as a consumer, the better off I am. Whether I'm protecting someone, I'm defining their needs. Whether I'm providing information services to somebody, I'm defining their needs. And if it's, a, if it's taking care of somebody in a classroom, I'm defining their needs. What it is that they, do they need to get out of this? Now, often we'll have instructors and, and people that they want to tell you what they know. They don't right. want to tell you what what your requirements are. So the, a lot of times in training, the, the training tries to drive the requirements and it's absolutely opposite of what it should be. The requirements is what should drive the training. Hmm. But because uh, there are so many people that don't, haven't clearly defined the requirements of a thing that they don't particularly know what those requirements are or they've created requirements in their head that simply aren't so to match their, their little thing that they want to talk about. <laughs> so if, so if you're taking care of your customer, whether it's an information mm-hmm. customer, whether it's a protection uh, client that you're taking care of, whether if it's a student that you're taking care of, uh, whether it's somebody that's on your team, that that's in a position of less control than you, they're all still customers. They're just internal or external customers. If you're not defining their needs, right, then you're not accomplishing your goals. If I'm not defining the needs of the mission, then I'm not accomplishing the goal. I think, I think a lot of people don't think that way, but that's the way I think. No, I dig it, man. I love the depth. (laughs) You know, that just went all all deep into it. That's good. That's that's (laughs) outstanding. It's refreshing. Yeah. And I was thinking about something else today because, you know, it seems like a lot of people just hop on the Internet and start teaching a thing. And I was like, you know, like because and, and when you have that inside of you, you you know, you want to teach, you want to help, you want to influence. And I kind of was just I was just kind of kicking it around in my head. And I was like, well, you got to get good at something. And then I started thinking, like, you got to kind of pass a certain level because it's hard to really influence or teach anyone who's on your level or above kind of, you know what I mean? You have to get to a certain level before you really can like righteously or rightly be that teacher. And I think sometimes people try to skip that step. It's like, no, there's an appropriate maturation process. <laughs> you know, they, they skip the step of actually knowing what the hell they're doing. Is that, yeah. is that the skip? You know, they, they steal two PowerPoints, set in on one lesson plan, learn a few terms. And next yeah. thing you know, they are up and running. They, yeah, they and they are good at marketing. Yeah, yeah, they get good at social media marketing, and all of a sudden, you know, they got like a little tribe, and you're like, no, no, Hell this is yeah. a horrible idea. <laughs> Where did you even come from? You know? 
I'm sorry. Uh, Who are you again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A friend of mine I used to work with said, said, if you're so good, let me see your passport. Let me see your passport. If you're so good, how many have you got? How many extra pages you had put in that thing, you know? Oh, yeah. How many passports you got? (laughs) (laughs) How many have you ran through? um, (laughs) That's good stuff. Uh, How did you get into executive protection? How did you get into the game? The... uh, uh, I was attending in a community college and I'm not a big fan of, uh, I'm not a big fan of the, of, of higher learning. I'm not a, not that a community college is higher learning. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big fan of that structured system because I think that they exist to support themselves. They don't necessarily exist to support you as a student. Uh, I agree, but that's a whole I was in go down that rabbit hole. That's, <laughs> that's it'll piss a whole, a whole bunch of people off. Uh, so I was in a. Um, there used to be this uh, guy named Larry Linville, and he was an explosives dude, and he was a part-time instructor at this college, and he had a little pamphlet laying on his desk back when pamphlets were a thing, and it talked about the Executive Protection Institute. So I. Uh, I became a cop in a small but pretty interesting town uh, at a pretty early age, 21. And I remembered that pamphlet and I reached out to the guy, Dr. Kobetz, that attended the course or that had the course at that time, Richard Kobetz. And I went through the course and about third day I was offered a job. So I came back to the department, put my two weeks in and, uh, and then I started doing doing protection. I went into it at a went into it at a relatively high level right off the bat, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I uh, I started studying traditional martial arts, which is very it's very uh, in vogue to make fun of traditional martial arts that keeps you that teaches you how to punch people in the head really hard. But that's always worked for me. Uh, <laughs> It's very uh, it's very easy to hate on that, but the, there's a certain degree of discipline, a certain degree of just learning how to do hard things, right? Just learning how to do hard work. And I got a lot out of the traditional martial arts, and it seemed to lend itself right into the executive protection thing. And then I started traveling, and then that was that was sort of it. You know, that's how I got into it. 21 years old, in the class for the first time, uh, sitting in a class. Uh, just like I see the guys and the girls that come in today sitting in the class. Yeah. Wow. And how long ago was that, if you don't mind me asking? 35 <laughs> years. I'm, I'll be 60. I'll be 50, 50. I'll be 56 here pretty soon. So wow. I was in the class at 21 or 22, I think, uh, somewhere around in there, 21 or 22. So 86, 87, somewhere like that. Yeah, something like that. Wow. My uh, first, my first, my first plane ride ever in my life was to my first job interview. Second plane ride was to come home. Third plane ride was uh, to work. And the fourth plane ride was in a private jet. I didn't fly coach class until I was in my thirties. And when I did, I thought for sure somebody was fucking punishing me for something I'd done wrong. Yep. That's outstanding. (laughs) This is not fair. Yeah, exactly. don't they know who they I am? Have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I must have messed up on that last op. They got me back here. Yes, something I, bad happened. Yeah, man, you can turn into we. Me and my buddy Caleb joke about becoming security brats because we both we both 
you know, started well, yeah. out when we were 21. And um, man, we uh, we had this one story where we we caught ourselves complaining about <laughs> it's so shameful. I shouldn't. We caught ourselves complaining about these mashed potatoes at a restaurant weren't truffly enough. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good complaint. That's a good problem to have. We yeah. were like. And then it was like something inside of us was like, hold up, hold up. Like we're we're Marine Corps infantry men. We're sleeping underneath like ponchos in the rain, you know, right. like a year ago this time. Now we're complaining about the mashed potatoes aren't truffly enough. And it was just one right. of those moments in life where we're like, we we, we got to slow down. Man. Yeah, we, we got to think about this a little bit. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was fortunate for me because... I know I wasn't making much as a cop, but it was fine, you know. Mm. And then I went to making significantly multiples of that instantaneously. But I never, I never mistakenly thought that that life was my life. You know what I mean? Because the difference yeah. was so huge. So the cars didn't impress me. The houses didn't impress me. The plane rides didn't impress me because it, it simply wasn't my life. So it didn't, mm. didn't bother me a whole lot. Uh, you bring this story up about dinner. I was, there was a, a guy running a household staff. He was a retired cop and he was a good guy. Uh, and they brought in a bunch of off duty cops to work the estate and they'd ride on their little four wheelers and do their thing and hang out and make more money than they'd seen before. And the, the person brought them all their lunch out in a big giant container and set it in front of them. And they had to make their own sandwiches. It was all there, you know, and they were complaining about having to make their own sandwiches. Well, he came out there and he was a very capable guy. He'd been in several shootouts and was a pretty tough guy. He came out and he said, listen, you son of a bitches, all week long, you're sitting in a patrol car eating chili dogs that you scammed for free off the <laughs> dashboard of the car. And you come out here on the weekends and you expect steak and lobster. He goes, that ain't going to fucking happen. Yeah. Get your shit straight. You know, remember... <laughs> remember what you're dealing with. So I've had enough meals getting rained on being miserable, just happy to have some food in my system that when I sit down and it's simply okay, then I'm okay. I'm delighted with it. Yeah, man. I never, let, I never got wrapped up in that stuff. Yeah. 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 And that's such a big lesson. There's two lessons. One is, I mean, especially for the veterans or anyone who's been in, in that's grown up at hard times, if it's okay, like you're, you're like, you're fed, you're watered, you know, yeah, no one's trying to kill you. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you're not freezing cold, you know, you get to eat, you got to right. try not to be fat. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Like, right, right. then you're okay, bro. You know, you're doing you're okay. all right. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. right. You know? And the second thing I heard you say, which is so big, man, is just not, um, thinking that your client's success, your principal success is your success, you know, <laughs> like not that's thinking right. that you're the guy on the jets because you're the man, you know, it's like, that's right. That's right. Uh, you make one wrong move and you could just like, we were talking about right before this thing, you know, you got a cool job right now, but in 20 minutes, like you said, that whole entire dynamic can change on you. You that's wore right. the wrong shirt to work. <laughs> well, that's right. That's, and that's, that's one of the reasons you work on yourself and, I, I get we'll we'll get into that, but you can't wrap your world up in somebody else's position because you don't know what the hell they're going to come up with today. You don't know what's going through their head. Uh, you can't wrap your success up in someone else. So when you're when you're talking about performance, you talk about objective goals and performance goals, right? Mm -hmm. An objective goal, objective 
goal. Somebody comes on and says, I want to be the best person on the detail. Well, that person might not have the raw material inside them. They might not have the genetic makeup to be the best person. But if their objective is to be the best person, then they're going to run around in circles and stab darts in everybody else and talk shit about everybody else and try to get everybody else in trouble and make up lies about them and gossip about them and whine about them and take little cheap shots at them so that they can get rid of those other two people. And now they're the best person on the detail. So you don't want people with objective goals, right? I want to be the best person on the detail. That means I need to backstab you to be the best person because you're better than me. Performance goals is I want to improve this about me. Mm -hmm. I want to improve this. I want to get better advances. I want to get better at working a client. I want to drop 10 pounds or most people want to gain 20 pounds. I want to do this. I want to be better at this. That's a performance Mm -hmm. goal. And, and a whole lot of people don't understand that difference and they consider it, they consider it competent. Like, well, it's competition. Everything's fair. Well, yeah. If you're a piece of shit, everything's fair. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. shit, everything's fair. Of course you are. But I don't want to be around pieces of shit. There's enough yeah. of them out there. So, okay. so when a friend of mine recently, we had a discussion a few years back and he was talking about somebody that was with him. And he said, you know, being hungry is good. And I said, depends on what they're hungry for. Mm, that's right? true. They're hungry that's for what true. you've got. Right? And what, I, want, I want what, what Byron's got. I want this. I want that. Instead yeah. of creating my own thing and wanting what I got, or improving yeah. what I've got, I want to try to take it away from somebody else. And in yeah. security, where everybody's walking around willing to, you know, cut their price in half just to land a client that might land them on the on a red carpet for twelve minutes, so they can talk about it the rest of their life. Uh, yeah, you got to deal selfies. with that, right? Yeah, take some <laughs> selfies. <laughs> man, that's crazy. I, um, man, with that performance goals and objective goals thing is huge. What I hear is the um, really the difference is, is your orientation is your locus to control. It's, you know, the performance. If I can focus on my performance and have goals that are oriented internally, I can become more of an asset and be my best. Whereas the objective goal is like I'm focusing on some some object outside of me. And I mean, we know from psychology, if you're focusing externally, you're, you got an external locus to control, you know. You're, you're building a weak and vulnerable uh, identity for yourself and you open yourself up to, you know, a lot of heartache and things like that. And it's, I think one of the things I talk about in my training day uh, success package a lot is trying to create a culture on a detail that is team centric. Cause I feel like there's more safety for everyone on the detail when the team is safe and the team is healthy. Principal gives you a compliment. It's, hey, thank you, sir, ma'am. You know, the guys really helped me out. We worked together. It was really good. To where the principal almost can't even tell who's really responsible for all the good work because you're all looking good. You know, and it's, it's not like, oh, I did this. I'm taking, you know, trying to take credit. It's, yeah, man, me and the guys worked hard on it. Um, and always trying to, like, fortify and strengthen the team. Likewise, when there's a mistake that's made, the whole team, everyone's taking responsibility for things to the point where one guy doesn't get singled out and becomes vulnerable because it's all being dumped on one guy. You know, it's, it's that whole, like, let's protect each other and cover each other mentality. You know, um, that's, that's exactly right. The, you hit on a bunch of a big ticket items there. Um, the main one is, is sharing the good things and sharing yeah. the bad things. The 
what what you've noticed, I'm sure, and a lot of people notice is that it's usually the weaker people that are the most dangerous to a team dynamics. Yes, it's the the weaker and softer mentally people, the people that can't perform, that are always scampering around to blame somebody for something else. Mm-hmm to blame somebody for something else, taking shots, moving up. The strong people are going to rise up and then the little weak people are going to nip at their heels. And that's just (laughs) the way it works. Now, if a whole bunch of those weak people get together, they can do you in, you know, because they're going to, they're going to get shittier than you. Right. (laughs) Julius Caesar at the Senate thing. Yeah. Where the so stupid people outnumber the cool people. The stupid people become cool. You got to watch out. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's dangerous, man. <laughs> the stupid people are cool. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so I guess let's get into some of these some of these questions here. Sure. Um, sure. But that was, that was a good preview. That was just, just good flow, man. Um, health and wellness and its implications on executive protection. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, what would you say about that? Well, let's, if you don't mind, I'll touch on a little bit of the history of that particular class. Yes, sir. So, so I went through the Executive Protection Institute way, way long time ago. And Dr. Kobetz and I became friends before I started instructing there. I was traveling full time. I was on the road all the time. And I wasn't interested in instructing because I was too busy doing other stuff. Right. So... He came to me and he said, I want you to, to teach a, the block on advanced work. And I said, I'm, okay. I'm, too, I'm too busy. I don't want to do that. I got shit going on. I'm not interested. And he said, I want you to teach the block on advanced work. And then I wasn't very, I was very good at advance. I had a lot of international travel. I was very good at advanced work. Wasn't particularly good at, at, at presenting it. Uh, so I started teaching those classes. And as he would identify a class, if I could get away from work, if I could fly in early or something, I would start presenting the classes he wanted me to present. And then he asked me, he says, listen, DCJS, Department of Criminal Justice Services, which is some acronym for morons. I'm not sure exactly how that works out, but that's what it stands for. They, that's how they did it. They, they wanted me to, uh, uh, they need a, a certain requirement for health and wellness in the class. And with Dr. Kobetz, I, he's done things over, he's, he's, we've lost him now, but the school has done things over the years that I supported and some things that I didn't support. And the way I would do it is because I supported him is I would present the things that I supported and not present the things that I didn't support. Does that make sense? And I'm not, I'm not going to be dishonest about my feelings on the matter. I'm not going to campaign against something, but I'm not going to be dishonest about my feelings about it or my appraisal of it, I guess I should say. So he said, listen, you need to teach this class. I taught the class a couple of times. It wasn't, what you saw, it was something else completely. And I said, listen, boss, if they don't know this shit by the time they get here, me, me talking for an hour is not going to do the trick. Mm-hmm. Well, then, unfortunately, uh, over the years, I found out that I was wrong about a bunch of stuff, which happens to me pretty routinely. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so I found out that a whole bunch of the stuff I thought I knew, I didn't know. I'm a big fan of saying, do we know what we think we know? I say this, is it really true? And how do I know that it's true? So I put together the, uh, I decided to approach the health and wellness thing from a different perspective. Uh, And then as each class that we do, I kind of define it a little bit better. So that's where that class came from. It started out as a DCJS requirement where they wanted you to talk about nutrition for 45 minutes or something. And then I've, I've 
now done this class out of it. So that's where it's, that's where it came from. And I've been okay. I've been I've been pleased with it. I've been pleased with it. It, it changes every every time, and you you enjoy it, right? Of all the things I talked to you about in front of the whole class, this is the one that you want to talk about first. So I'm 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 very flattered by that. So <laughs> is there? That's where absolutely. that's where it came from. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like it's a it, that it's good to know that you know because it's, it's it is a triggering topic, but at the end of the day, the product we're selling is ourselves. Like so much of that product, I believe. <clears throat> is ourselves and it's the perception it's if you can't take care of yourself how am i going to pay you to take care of me you know it's all these things yeah <laughs> you know and i in an america and in a world where ease is so prevalent still so corrosive <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it's like i i get questions and guys being like hey i want to get into private security what can i do and sometimes frequently i look at their profile and i'm like man you got to start from square one. You've got to convince, you've got to be not, you don't have to be, but it helps if you're strictly visually convincing that you can safeguard someone, which has to do with, you got to be in shape. You got to, and the longevity, the quality of your life, you know, all these different considerations. I, I had to learn a lesson a long time ago. Uh, and Dr. Kovetz taught me this lesson and that's that, and I've, it's been reinforced many times over the years is that, not everybody, if you don't have the raw material, no matter how hard you work to help someone, no matter how much training they have, no matter how much opportunity, if the raw material is not there, they're only going to rise up to a certain level. That's just yeah. it. So I had, uh, I was talking with somebody uh, the other night on the phone and, you know, that person's done very well. And they came through the class eight, 10 years ago, and they've done very well since then. Now, there could have been 50 or 100 just like them come through, similar backgrounds, similar look, same training, similar training, similar opportunities, and they're not going to do as well. That's because the raw material is not there. It's why, unfortunately, people are playing in the NFL and NBA, and you and I aren't. Right. It's just the right. way it is. They, so you. Uh, there is no guarantee that the person that's presented in front of you is going to be capable of doing all these things. You, you hear about people that have potential. That's fine. What's their performance? What's their performance? So right off the bat, it's something to consider is, is that training, as my friend Gene says, is a polishing action. It's not polishing a polishing action. One. It's a polishing action. And we know that you cannot polish a turd, right? So, <laughs> hey, you know, you know? Yeah. that's true. But uh, so, is, go ahead, please. No, just training Making is a polishing note. action. Remember that. And then so, I, I kind of, it leads me to want to ask you, like, what would be the raw materials just from the hip? You're going to say, oh, you know. Shit. Yeah, I know that's a big one. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because the uh, about the time you define exactly who you want in the class, uh -huh. somebody will change your mind, you know. So yeah. uh, there's a, I mean, the physicality is easy to measure. We can tell whether somebody's a physically capable person. We can tell if they've got what their performance is going to be. We can tell what they can do with training. All that's fine. That's a, that's a yeah. thing It's pretty easy to measure. The other stuff, the stuff that's on the inside, how they are wired to process information, 
their their willingness to work hard, their ability to um, their home situation where they can be flexible enough with things to to pick up and go, the support that they're getting at home, how they were raised. Uh, you know, did they spend half their life hiding underneath the table with their eyes over their, their hands over their eyes because it was in a bad family? Did they grow up in a family where everything was given to them and they don't appreciate things? We, we can't control any of that. So you, you look at the performance and then you can start making uh, good judgment. So in training, the more experience you have already, the better off you are going to deal with theory. Now, security right. is a very, so I don't want to start with theory. I want to start with what the experience you already have. And then I want to, I want to show you the theory and then tie it to your experience. Does that make sense? And then yeah. you're better off learning. So yeah, Medical with reference points and connections and all that. Now security is, should be easy to present because every one of us have grown up in an environment where there were dangers around us, where we had to worry about stuff, where we had to think about things. So no matter what somebody's experience is when they come in there, no matter whether they were an accountant or they were somebody like you that, that's traveled a bunch and done a bunch of interesting things, I should be able to tie what I'm presenting concerning security to that experience. If I work hard enough, if I work hard enough at it and I'm observant enough, I should be able to tie it to what you do. So as I'm in the class and I'm speaking to somebody, you start, it starts to become very easy to identify who is responding to that training and who's going to participate in it. And then their performance will start rising to the top. It, you, you can, there's always performers and you yeah. can always recognize them. Uh, <clears throat> And it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I can go through the list of all the crap that everybody else says, you know, willingness to learn, dedication, honor, integrity. I can go through all that stuff and all that's very important, especially the integrity part and the honesty part and honorable part. Um, uh, and make no mistake, if you're, if you're starting with somebody that's a, a piece of shit from the beginning, no matter how good they are, they're going to hurt you more than help you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and they'll hurt themselves eventually. And, uh, God damn, you'd like to think so. I don't know that it always happens, but you'd like to think <laughs> it, it is, yeah. You wish it yeah, was right. But um, so you'll start noticing it in the performance and, mm -hmm. in, and how that performance is measured, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the because um, really the theory pours into the mind and the mindset in that person's way. And if they have an accurate base you know of uh kind of reference points and experience and all that stuff then they can really uh they can construct something that's valuable they can help them perform well in a real world situation or in that training yes. <clears throat> if all they have is hollywood then you're gonna have to just change that perspective and readjust a little bit to really be like hey no this is how it is you know you're going to miss all the holidays and you're going to spend a lot of time waiting around <laughs> you know, right, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and, and they can start being like, okay. And then we can get them on the right track. It, you would think you could. The, the thing is with security is, is in, unless they're faced with a lot of hard logistics in their job, mm -hmm. if their job's to stand around and look cool, then we don't have any performance managers <laughs> other issues. than, other than behavior, 
and you know, other than indicators, right? So hmm. that's when I look, even if the job's very, very easy or the position's very, very easy <coughs> or what they have to accomplish is very, very easy. Mm-hmm. You start looking for indicators that'll tell you how they're going to perform in something more serious or more difficult. So if they're whiny pain in the ass that's backstabbing people and running around being passive aggressive and there's nothing bad happening. And mopey. Yeah. And mopey, <laughs> then Jesus Christ, that does, it's not, con, it's not hard. You know, if, if somebody yeah. can't be bothered to return an email, I send them after I helped them with a damn document, then it's yeah. not a hard decision on how a person is going to react in, a, in something serious. Right. It's pretty yeah. straightforward, you know? Right. So, um, so for me, it's easy. Now, I have to be careful because sometimes I'm a little too quick to draw a line through somebody, <laughs> you know, because you're old school, y'all, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the rules have changed. I think a little, I don't know. People don't seem to take things as serious as they used to a little bit. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy. You know, I think you're right. Think you're right. <laughs> well, we know if it happened in the past, it was either harder or it was better. There's one or the other because it's yeah, always, yeah, it's always, it's always more difficult or better than what it is right this moment. We know that for sure. That, of course, that's right? dang true. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, but um, back on the health thing, you know, I just think that um, it's something that has to be taken seriously. I think it's difficult sometimes if you're on the road all the time to manage. Um, <clears throat> man, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a science I haven't even really mastered. I just, <laughs> I just try to hit the weights hard and manage it when I can back home. I don't know. We, we, can, we can talk about that a little bit if you wish. The, the, the first thing is, is that what I like to do is whatever I'm trying to accomplish, define what it is I'm trying to do, right? Define the question. What am I trying to accomplish? And in executive protection, number one, should, does somebody have to be able to do this and executive protection? And the answer is no, they don't have to do that. They, they would be better. They were, the performance would increase if they did. But if you can think of one uh, uh, slow, not very bright, fat, worthless, uh, uh, backstabbing, passive aggressive, material stealing piece of shit that's got yeah. a paycheck ever for doing security, then you obviously don't have, <laughs> to have to do these things. You don't have to have these requirements to do it, right? Yeah, you're right, I mean, man. It's just, it's, quite, it's just the case. So, I, you know, I- This is what it is. <laughs> I've been around client, I've been around people that the client had to pick up their suitcase for them because they couldn't manage it, right? Oh man, it's terrible, <laughs> it's painful. Yeah, And the client yeah. just put up with it for a while and you know, or maybe put up for it forever or maybe get rid of them at the end of the day. Who knows? It's a damn yeah, client. Yeah. Uh, so you define the requirements and you say, all right, so there are no requirements. And every time everybody always wants to attach something to do because they can have a list and write it down and check it make off and make a plan and have you do push-ups before the detail starts and have you do some stupid ass like, circles with your arms, you know, yeah, feel like, yeah, feel like they're really on top of this shit. Well, there's no requirement. Now, my personal requirements for me personally, hmm. I'm comfortable sharing those. Okay. But the okay. industry itself doesn't define those requirements. It's, it's like not. the Wild West. Yeah, it just doesn't. Not right now. If you know one piece of shit that's working in the industry, then the industry obviously doesn't have any requirements. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, <clears throat> so then you, you look at the requirements, you understand there is none. And then... And then I ask you to consider 
where it should be anyway is on you personally. What are your, do you want to improve your performance? And that's where we get into the blocks of, of the things that, you know, we spend the whole week talking about um, the risk assessment model that we use. Mm-hmm. Right? So then uh, with that, with that final piece on Tuesday, I tie all the stuff that we've learned about risk into the things that I've seen waiting for people, especially in this industry. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So, so the things that are waiting for us. Yeah. That, that I've seen happen to people. Uh, and then I've seen happen to everybody, but uh, it seems to me maybe because I know more people in this industry that it happens to, to these, to us more often. Right. We don't even have a real well-defined term of what the industry is and nobody, everybody likes to think that they can come up with it and they want you to join an organization to show that you agree with their definition of the industry. But there is no definition of the industry. When I first got into it, unless you were doing one-on-one, small team, international trips, running the whole operation, you weren't doing executive protection. Everything else was just something else. Just that means garbage. not just good, not well, good enough. <laughs> it, it's it's not just cool different. Enough. It's just different. Yeah, okay. It's just different. Yeah. It wasn't good or bad. It was just different. And people, and there were people doing other stuff that was making a whole bunch of money. And you would say, oh, he he gave up on the EP stuff, took a gig doing this, and it's much yeah. better. He's making much more money, but it's not EP anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more, and that's that's okay. So, yeah. you know, the the. Static security, event security. Yeah, bouncing and bouncing. Now, the bouncing security, church security, all that is part of it. And you're protecting people. And it may be included in, I mean, I don't define executive protection. So it may be included in executive protection. I'm not the one that makes that decision. Uh, I do know that not, not too many years ago, people started putting executive protection in their job offers because. They didn't want somebody to realize they're going to be sitting at a desk doing static security. So they put executive protection and job offer. Yeah. Okay. It sounds a lot colder. Yeah. It is. It does sound cool. <laughs> you got to sell it, you know. You're going to be sitting at a desk looking at IDs all day. Okay, that's the job, and it's a job, and it's important. Your outer layer, yeah. your perimeter job is very important. It's who lets people yeah. in and lets them out. Uh, <clears throat> defining who's in your circle, it's a very important gig. It's mm-hmm. not executive protection. Right. So anyway, I came up with a bunch of things. The first thing that I noticed that happens to people in a, in this industry, more so than several other industries, I believe, I don't have any data to support that other than my observations, is there's a lot of anxiety because you don't, you don't necessarily get feedback and there's not necessarily measurable measurable successes. So if you're sitting in front of a door and That's you're good. supposed to be there for 20 days and yep. you got to sit there from 12 to 12 or from eight mm-hmm. to eight and your job's to be there and not piss the client off when you see them half a dozen times yep. and to not be on your phone too much and not right. fall asleep, mm-hmm. then, then your measurable successes are kind of small. Even though there's a whole lot of people that can't do that. They can't, they right. can't, not screw up. They'll get in trouble. Yeah, they'll screw it up. <laughs> they'll screw it up. They'll start creating issues in their mind that may or may not be issues, right? right? So they get very anxious about everything. And they'll take the smallest little thing that a client said, the smallest little thing that another teammate said, and they'll yeah. turn it into some horrible damn 
catastrophize the heck out. Dis- discuss it and stress <laughs> over it and ruminate. <laughs> what? No, I know the client said this, but what she really meant was really. Yeah, yeah. Well, how come nice. when she walked, she looked at me this kind of weird way out of the side of her eyes and she walked by? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, like, what do you think she means? <laughs> why they why they take him to the mall instead of me? I yeah. Goddamn, I don't know. <laughs> The fifteen-year-old girl. I don't know why she does any goddamn thing. Yeah, serious, right? So they they get very anxious, and when they get anxious, uh-huh. they start poking at people. Mm-hmm. So anxious uh, is a future event, right? Because after something's happened, ever something's happened, I'm already dealing with it. Right? Yeah, I'm so right. I'm, I'm worried about what the hell's coming. So that's a future event, and that's. And, and when you let somebody else determine how you feel about something, when you let their behavior impact you, then you're setting yourself up to be very anxious. I believe, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, learn to recognize the countermeasure to that anxiety is recognize the things, be a grown up and recognize the things that you can and can't control. I can't control what's going through somebody else's head. I can't control if somebody doesn't return an email. I can't control if that person does whatever the hell it is they're doing. I can't control that. I can, however, choose how I react to that. Choose. I can choose how I react. It's up to me. They can do that. I decide whether it upsets me or not. I decide whether it pisses me off. I decide whether it informs my degree of participation in whatever the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I made some notes on these three by five cards. Outstanding. And I've got a very good friend of mine whom she's very talented and I absolutely trust her opinion. Mm-hmm. She explained to me that when I talk about three by five card holders and three by five cards, that nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about because everybody uses a smartphone. Now, <laughs> I, I ain't going to disagree with it. Was, was she being <laughs> I, mean, just, I know because I had a tough time in high school and had to do flashcards all the time. <laughs> worked for you. So, yes, it did. so I, I decide whether she's trying to help me, whether she's teasing me or whether she's just being mean as shit, you know? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but you get to decide, right? You get to decide whether it bothers you or not. And then you decide to what degree of participation you're going to, you're going to engage with them based on, yeah. it becomes more transactional than it does more than relationship. You decide, all right, this person does this. He's a pain in the ass. He only calls me when he needs something. Mm-hmm. I don't hear from him for months or maybe years. And then out of the blue, I'll get a call from him looking for work. You decide to what degree you engage in that or not. Right. And I think, that's huge. I mean, cause I, I mean, I probably use my counseling degree more with other agents try, trying to help them, you know, deal with the fact that the principal, you know, was really nice yesterday and didn't say anything today in the car or, you know, like snapped at them in the car, you know, on the way yeah, here or yeah. there, or, you know, they didn't have an umbrella. So, you know, <laughs> you know, and they're catastrophizing and I'm like, look, man, you know, I don't know what the reason was, you know, that we're dealing with a billionaire. They got billionaire problems. 
you're like a cog in the whole party that's this big, you know, like yes. realistically do your job, do your best, improve incrementally as you see you need to control what you can control, prioritize, execute, and let's just keep moving, you know, and if we well, get some negative feedback, we'll, we'll adjust. We'll adjust um, or I'll find a new job or I'll yeah. find a new client. Cause I can tell you there's a whole lot of, if I stop at a place every day to get a cup of coffee and they start pissing me off, there's other coffee shops. Right? Absolutely. Pretty easy. I decide the value of that coffee compared to the amount of degree that they piss me off every day. Yeah. yeah. There's only one me. There's only one you. There's a whole bunch of clients. It's a whole bunch of women. Right. A whole bunch of guys. Yeah. A whole bunch of every goddamn thing out there. But there's only one yeah. me. Exactly. Um, so you, you, you have to decide those things. And, and then based on your, on all of the, on the degree, like, like somebody that you have a client that you got a real strong relationship, everybody's human, everybody snaps at people. Yep. You may decide that that's something that just like with somebody you care about, you're going to, you're going to be all right with that because mm-hmm. you, you've got a depth of understanding with them. Or you may decide that, listen, this person's just a prick and I'm not going to be around him anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very fortunate in one degree because one of the first clients I had was such a miserable human being that there was simply nothing that anybody could say to me after that that bothered me a whole hell of a lot because he was such a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, right? He would yeah, say such yeah. horrible things, you know, and such a yeah, petty, yeah. petty little dude. And <laughs> so you're like, good Lord, where did he come like, up with that? Really, I've, uh-huh. I've never seen somebody stomp on a file before. Good Lord, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. And then and where guys will get in trouble and women get in trouble too, is they, they try to assign motives for this bizarre behavior. Behavior. Yeah, exactly. Just, just witness the behavior. Let the behavior stand on its own. And just let don't it be say, what it is. The reason they did that was, oh, did they tell you that? You know, it's yeah. like, it's, you, you can't define motive. Even if, even if it's an admitted motive, then that might not be the real motive. So right. just go with the behavior. What are they doing? Just watch. Yeah. And focus on yourself and have those uh, performance goals you're talking about. Because if you've been performance goal focused and you do decide that you need to trade out a client or principal, you've been working on your value through performing at a higher level long enough to where you find a pack of people who value that and you have options. <laughs> you can. It makes it more probable that you can have options if you can perform at a higher level. That's you know, exactly so right. Kind of have kind options. Of yeah. So the so the countermeasure against being anxious is don't let people run space in your head. Mm-hmm. Don't let them run space in your head, um, and decide on how you're going to react to things. Absolutely, that was, that's, that's the first part of that that presentation. the The second part is um, is uh, well, real quick. One other question I was going to ask yeah, you, sure, if please, you don't mind, mm-hmm. is what would you say about being who you say you are? Oh yeah! Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> you know, for you know, that well, it's, it's important. Or, or, you know, I heard that in a presentation one time not too long ago, and I told the guy, I "says I'm going to take it and and uh, and use it, and I'll credit you with it." And he said, "Oh, I stole it from somebody else. Don't worry about that. Use it at will." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I thought that was very interesting. Are you who you say you are? You know, mm-hmm. and and who do you say that you are? Now, there's always. Some of these historical data 
is a lot easier to find now than it used to be, right? If somebody says I was this or I was that, I was I personally was never in the military. That's not a secret, right? So so I I don't say that I was in the military. Well, that's a pretty easy thing one way or another. Uh, I say that I can protect somebody. Okay, I can protect somebody. Can I protect somebody? If I can't manage my own luggage, can I manage them? Right? Am I who I say that I am? I uh, I think that I'm good at logistics. I can get people from point A to point B, and I'm good at logistics. I can make all of this stuff happen. I can set up cars. I can set up hotels. I can set up rentals. I can have a, a, a eight-car motorcade ready to rock and roll and have 20 people under me. I can do all those things. Mm. But for some reason, I can't return an email, or for some reason, I can't manage to have what I need in my pocket when I arrive, right? Or I can't keep track of the client's briefcase. Am I really who I say that I am? And it's not my, it's not up to me to ask anyone that. They have to ask that themselves, right? Am I, am I who I say that I am? And, uh, and I invite people to be honest with themselves about their capabilities. Some people yeah. can't do that because they live, they live through, I mean, they're, they're not honest about their capabilities, you know, they're just not. They can, number one, they might not even understand their capabilities. They might not have a, enough of a background to understand their capabilities. And if they were honest about them, it would scare them to shit. They scare the shit out of them if they're honest about them. Yes. I, so um, that, that's what I mean by that. Yeah, no, that's good. Being honest about your capabilities. I have, man, it's like two, the few things I hear from that is just, that's a conversation you need to be having in the mirror with yourself as frequently as you can. And you owe it to yourself and your client and whatever family, whoever's dependent on you to be having that conversation often. That's why I like the gym, man. Cause 45 pounds, always 45 pounds at 315. It's always 315. 40, 45 pounds for you. 45 pounds for you is same as the 45 pounds for a guy. I don't know what am I, 20 years older than you or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It's the same 45 pounds. Doesn't make any difference. Does it? Yeah, no, it doesn't, man. You know. Fortunately for me, I talk about defining the problem a lot. Fortunately mm -hmm. for me, if I want to see, if I want to really define my problem, I see yeah. that person pretty often when I shave, right? I see the problem. <laughs> so yeah. that's the thing that I can affect and change. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is too, like with that being honest about yourself, you got to live a life where your limit, I think it's good to uh, personally, my opinion is it's good to live a life where you're um, exposing those vulnerabilities or finding those vulnerabilities. So you don't kind of live or sell yourself or, experience this ignorance that comes from not even knowing what your, your, your limitations are, you know? So you're thinking yes. like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. And then, you know, you take on something and reality just hits you in the face, you know, or you, yeah. you turn a corner, you, you get into a shoot and you ain't been at the range or you, you, you know, getting a mix up at a bar somewhere, you know, and you right. end up you know, losing some honor. It, and so what I, what I hear you saying there is that some people are simply too stupid to not know what they don't know. Right. It's dangerous. Too, too, <laughs> too stupid to, to know what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's very dangerous. dangerous. And, and once again, man, that's another good thing I get from working out is just, well, today this is about how strong I am, <laughs> you know, and I, and I know it and I can feel it and, yeah. translates into my life some kind of way, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's good. The, um, uh, it's in, none of us are perfect. Right. So right. we, we look, 
for opportunities to get better at certain things or not. And when people, when a client, somebody you're working with, somebody in whatever nature of relationship it is, when someone does something that you're not comfortable with, you're the one that's decided that you're not comfortable with that. And then you have to decide what to do about it. It's not really, they may or may not have done that purposely to get on your nerves. Like I drive down the road, I'm pretty sure that the person in front of me is not purposely doing something stupid to annoy me. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure I can be convinced of that in the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I do also spend a lot of time with, uh, and I remember when I was going through this as well, when I had a principal that was like, maybe do something that I'd be like, this is so disrespectful. <laughs> and I'd be like going through yeah. all these changes sure, and I'd sure, be like, sure. how could they just do this? You know, like I would never do this. And, <laughs> no, 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 you know? And, and now, you know, I just, am kind of like, Hey man, that's a principle. Like they don't want to show up to your thing or they don't want to like, like if they, they want to, you know, have us wait in the lobby, they're going to, you know, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I, I see everything. I have them at a distance, you know, like, and sure. it allows me an emotion, a more emotional intelligence. I just don't get as upset. And I see other guys that are just like, can you believe we're doing this right now? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. sort of getting paid. Right. So, so yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're getting paid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the, if you're centered on you and your performance, mm -hmm. then we we don't know what's going on in their head. We just decide to tolerate it or not. That's all. We decide whether what we're getting out of, whatever it is, is of enough value that we're going to tolerate that. I was I was with a, a, and that's a very what matters. Yeah, it's our decision to tolerate it or not, right? Am so, I get paid uh, though? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or I've, I've given up very well-paying jobs because yeah. I didn't want to put up some stupid shit. And I'm fine with it. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine. We were working together. And this client just really just lost it like a little hissy fit, you know, like a little, <laughs> just, a, just a hissy yeah. fit, you know. I've had some of those. Yeah. And, and, we were, and we were walking down the hallway. And I was like, God damn. And they said, <laughs> oh, did they say something? And I said, you know what? I don't know that they did. You're exactly yeah. right. Like that's all the impact it had on him. Did they say something? Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And if you start, and this is another one, if you start tap dancing and you let that hissy fit get to you and they see it, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the interpersonal dynamics between the agent and the principal, like it can feed off of each other. So, you know, if they're Ooh, freaking yeah. out, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just being that rock and being grounded and being like, sir, we're going to go up here. We're going to take a left. Uh, and I'm going to get you there on time. Don't worry about it. It's just, it's best not to get sucked into that drama. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you, if you're the stable one, right. No matter, yeah. no matter if it's somebody else on the team, somebody you're working with a client, mm -hmm. you're going to have to be the one that's stable because anxiety likes to feed other anxiety. I like, you know, exactly. a person that's anxious wants to get everybody spun up. Because deep down in their soul, they feel like they don't have any control. So they're going to get everybody spun up. You know, I, I hide this paper from you so that I can be the one to find that paper. Right. I'm going to cause this anxiety so that I'm the ones that solves it. And that happens. Uh, but just if you know who you are, 
you're comfortable with who you are, you're comfortable with your skill set, then you'll be able to weather all of these things. That yeah. clients are are just people, and and they some of them are absolutely wonderful human beings. But I've known absolutely wonderful human beings that got married and told each other they loved each other, and then they got divorced. Did that mean that in the beginning they didn't get along? Doesn't mean that at all. It just happens. Shit happens. And right. so if a client gets rid of a of a um, protector or if, if they have a falling out or if a protector leaves a client, that's just part of the deal. Doesn't necessarily mean anybody did anything wrong. It's just the way it works. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say about financial management or awareness of your finances while you go through this life? So the as you you grew up in the EP game, man. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So the of all the it, there's another topic that gets people stirred up, but when I got to finances, I don't know that, that you noticed it or not. You're pretty, you're pretty observant. So I would guess that you did, but everybody, nobody liked that discussion. Nobody liked the financial discussion. Yeah. Because I can, I can say someone ought to be able to deadlift X amount of weight. Yeah. But if they've never deadlifted before, they don't know what that number means. Yeah, so they doesn't don't have any, that number. <laughs> haven't felt that number. No connection, yeah. Yeah, but if I say living paycheck to paycheck, going in debt on your credit cards to make ends meet, spending more money than you've got, upside down on a car, there's a whole lot of people that have experienced that. Yeah, the gravity of these words is just hitting people right now. Oh, and yeah. it hurts them, and it feels accusatory, right? Mm-hmm because you're questioning somebody's ability to take care of things. So uh, it, it has to be approached in a manner so that I don't lose the audience. I have to approach it carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by then I've built up a lot of goodwill with class. Hopefully if I'm doing my job, mm-hmm. I've built up a lot of goodwill with class. So by then or I, can all this. I can address it pretty, uh, pretty bluntly, but I've seen a lot of people get in real financial jeopardy in any walk of life, but especially in the executive protection. And I think, and I don't know this because I simply don't have the data supported, but I simply think it's because they go from not a whole lot of money to often a whole lot of money, right? So they go from one number that they get paid, whether it's military, law enforcement, or some other line of work, and, they're, and they land that big job, and now their eyes light up. They see the cars. They see the house. They see all of this stuff, and they want all of that stuff right now. And they put themselves in financial jeopardy. So we talk about reducing vulnerability in the risk market, right? So with debt, with, with financial stuff, you've got, you've got the threat, which is debt. The threat is always debt. Debt's the enemy. The bank is not your friend. Credit card companies aren't your friend. GM finance is not your friend. Student loans aren't your friend. They're all designed to steal your money. So you approach them the same way you would somebody on a street corner that that looks a little shady that might have a pretty effective weapon. You look at them the same way. So when you see the difference between a payday loan guy on a corner that's charging outrageous interest rate. Interest on something. And, and American Express, the only difference is, is that one of them, American Express, is better at it. It's better. It makes it better. Better taking your money. Better yeah. taking your money. So if you can control your debt, 
you troll your money. Um, the uh, I've seen guys get in horrible jeopardy and girls get in horrible jeopardy uh, money and it makes them feel vulnerable. And if there's any little flaws in them, that money will drive that flaw to the surface and it makes them panicky. Exploded. Yeah. It makes them panicky. Yeah. And it increases that anxiety internally, which can then affect you at work when you're so worried about, because I, I, I've seen this as well, when people are so worried about losing their one EP detail, um, they're more prone to do things that are just dishonorable. You know, it, it weakens yes. them. Yes. So they're much more prone to throw you under the bus to save themselves. They're much more prone to tap dance when the principal turns the heat up and, you know, yes. <clears throat> you know, make us all look bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. They can't keep that frame control of, all right, we'll deal with it. You know, a strong, confident kind of person. Yes. Uh, you link shields with them and it's, there's a weak link there. Yes, um, that's accurate. That's absolutely right. You're there. There are going to be more prone. A lot of people, I've known plenty of people that were broke that, that no amount of heat could impact them. Cause they, they got that code. Do. They've been broke. Yeah. Been broke before. So not a, not a new, yeah. not a new thing. Right. That's what so, I was about to say. They've been broke before. <laughs> they got yeah, their code. Broke before. Got, yeah, they know. You know. We'd be, we eat them ramen noodles. We'd be okay. You know, I'll work I it out. got my gym membership. What's up? <laughs> I'll work it out. I'll work yeah, it out. Yeah. And, and then there's some people that, that most don't. Yeah. And when, when money gets tight, they get panicky. They do silly, mm-hmm. silly things. Yeah. And their, and their excuses always comes back. Um, we had a guy at Cobet says, now I'm going back 25, almost 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, left and opened up his own school, right? Yeah. Which is God bless him. I don't knock yourself out. Well, when he left, he took all of the, the, the legal, like the legal pads, the yellow legal pads, right? He took really? a whole stacks of legal pads with him so that he would have them for his, so he could save that 84 bucks or whatever it was for legal pad. That's bizarre, right? That's a Golly. desperate, that's a desperate, a desperate low ad. rent dude to <laughs> yeah. steal legal pads from a guy that he's been working with. Right. That, yeah. It's weird, right? It's weird. Yeah. So, uh, sounds like what the hell, but people, they always make the, excuse well it's you know it's just business or i got to take care of my family or i got to do this well you can take care of your family in an honorable way you can yeah you can you can be good at business without without doing dishonorable things you don't have to i don't have to take what byron has to have things right right um so debt is the enemy Mm -hmm. people get in jeopardy finances uh if you can't pay for it with the money you got, unless it's a house, you can borrow money on a house as long as it's within reason. If you can't pay for it with the money in your pocket, don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you know, if you see a nice car, you see a, you see an Audi 110 grand, right? Audi A8, 110, yeah. 115 grand. Okay. You buy that car. If you buy it with cash and it's, and that car total price of that car is less than half your annual income. And you can absorb that loss of 40% as that car drops in value. Right. Mm. So the car drops in value over four years to 40%. You can absorb that loss. It's not a big impact, but take that same number of hundred grand and plug it in the financial calculator and 
see where that hundred grand would be in four years at between 10 and 12% interest. So you wouldn't lose the 60 grand and pay the 60 grand in interest. You would gain on that money and then just let that inform your decision. Right? Let yeah. that inform your decision. Have implications. Yeah. And if you got money in your pocket, then fine. I, I like them, you know, but be able to be able to afford it. If you can't reach in your yeah. pocket and pay for it, you can't afford it. I've seen guys on, on sets on not movie sets, but on details, poor mouthing all the time. And then you see him pulling in with a new truck. We see him pulling mm-hmm. up the new car. Mm-hmm. I thought you were broke. Well, yeah, but I needed this. They needed a new minivan because it's so much safer. This year's model is so much safer than last year's model. Or they needed this because they needed this or they needed that. Okay. Buy whatever you want, but consider if you're broke, not buying it. Right. Find some other way to make do. So the financial stuff's where I see people get in real jeopardy. Yeah, it's big. It makes them panicky. Yeah, it makes them panicky. Because there's gonna be there's gonna be downtimes. Yeah. In our line of work, especially, there's gonna be downtimes. Mm-hmm. And feast or famine. Feast or famine. And when I when I was doing pure contract stuff, not not contract like the overseas stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just pure contract yeah, stuff. Here. Working the working the gigs, I, I did a lot of international travel. But a lot of times when people say contract, they think that they're meaning uh, the the the, the, the military the force protection aspect aspect of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kept at least a year money in case things were dried up. So when I got a break, which I didn't get very very many, when I got a break, it was a relief. It wasn't a financial burden. It was a relief, you know. So it was you time, time for yeah. you to kind of just like your wounds, focus on yourself, yeah. get healthy yeah. and reset for the next go. If, if someone's interested in finances, which is a hard topic to have with people because nobody likes to admit that they're broke. Um, mm. There's a book that I recommend. It's got a pretty strong religious tint to it, but no matter what you're, I'm not particularly religious myself mm. all, maybe at all, maybe not particularly at all, but the book is, it leaves a very clear defined model. It's uh, Dave Ramsey. And uh, look up Dave Ramsey if you've got, and I trust me, I don't get any money from Dave Ramsey. Uh, if you want to have a handle on your money, pick up his book and try to follow the the principles that he lays out, and it'll work. Mm-hmm. It'll work. So I've seen it work many times for people. Uh, I have somebody ask me a question. Listen, I want to do this, this, and this with my money, and I'll say, all right, what's your budget? What are you spending every month on what? I don't like to do a budget. All right, well, I can't help you. It's like somebody telling me they don't want to do squats. I want to get strong, but I don't want to do squats. Can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know, you got to be able to measure it in order to control it. Sure. uh, Yeah. And I think having a plan, because I mean, I got in the game when I I was 21 and after, you know, five years or so, I was like, man, I've been making some pretty good money, but I got none of it. (laughs) You know, I was like, I got some cool stuff. I got some really cool stuff, you know? I remember being like, boy, I just don't know where that money went. You know, I'd be mean, like, if I continue with this behavior, I mean, I got, uh, I can't just, yeah, I got family I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to have at some point. I was like, sure. I got to be a man about this. And I got to, I really got to get smarter. I hear my son, my dad being like, son, you got to be smart. You know, that's what he'd always say. He's like, you, you got to yeah. be smart. And yeah, I'm so glad I started waking up to that, you know, because it, it'll happen to you quick. And if you don't have the IQ to go along with the assets, you just won't end up having anything. And- you'll, you'll, you'll spend it all. You, you, your, your point of having a plan 
you know, we talk yeah. about how we prepare and how we plan and we do all this stuff. And then we don't even know where our money's going. We don't even know where it's at. We don't know how it's working for us. We don't know what the interest rate is. We don't know anything about our money. So we talk about, it's, it goes back to that, are we who we say we are? We're, we, we can plan, we can run these ops. Well, if somebody hired you to run your financial operations in that household, would you continue to hire you to do that? Would you be happy yeah. with your performance running the finances for that household? And that's a very easy question, you know? <laughs> it's an easy poignant question. <laughs> yeah. Would yeah. you be happy with the way you're doing business? And yeah. if you look at it from that point of view, there's a whole lot of people. If they're honest, they would say, no, I wouldn't be happy. This fucking knucklehead has made a fortune over the last 10 years and it's all flown out of his ass. Not only is it yeah. all gone, he's got all this debt. Jesus Christ, I need a new guy. Right. And I need a new need to do some money. And he's got payments. And, he's and now he's debt. asking for a raise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to buy something else. Right. So that's if, real. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the way I try to approach it. And it's one of those things that you really can only you can only help somebody if they come to you and they want help because it sounds so accusatory when you ask somebody. And I've, yeah, and and I've, I've got, like, I've got a few friends that unfortunately when it comes to the strength training things and the safety things and the financial things uh, with most people, if I see an idiot at the gym doing something stupid, I leave him alone. I make sure that whatever crash he does is not going to impact me, but I leave him alone. Right. My friends aren't that lucky, right? I got some shit to say to him, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, friends, uh, yeah. my friends catch you doing something wrong. So, you don't get it, you know? <laughs> so, so I got a friend of mine, and he said uh, he's doing well with his lifting. He's doing well. He goes, you know, the only thing he said, listen, I want to. What's this money thing? Work with me on this, and. I worked with him. He said, the only thing more painful than setting down and figuring out how much money I had going out compared to how much money I had coming in was my first set of squats. That's the only thing that's been more painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't, I mean, it's just so meticulous and you got to stay on top of it too and get in your lanes, you know, until you really kind of have a system. Sure. And then you're always tweaking it. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, you should that's, be. That's you should true. be. Should be involved in it every day, right? Should be involved. Yeah. In the uh, uh, if you follow the big ticket principles, like hey, don't spend more than you make. Right. And don't eat more calories than you burn. <laughs> you know. Right. right. <laughs> no, it's not hard. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you want to get better at that, check out the that uh, Dave Ramsey. He's got books everywhere and podcasts. All of us listen to podcasts all the time. Might be a value. Yeah. I'd be value to the guys, yeah. That's good stuff. I wish someone had told me that earlier. What would you me say? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> would have been a lot farther, but I, yes. you know. What about? I've been running into some really good female agents in the industry, um, and on one hand, I feel like the industry, like you know, you get those calls where people are like, "Hey, man, you got a good female that you can put your name mm-hmm. on." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, okay, you know, and then of course you can't think of one or find one at that moment. But I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for women in our industry. Um, but then at the same time, I, I see a lot of them struggling to find employment. What would you say about females in our, in our industry and the whole male dominated thing? And I don't know, what would you say well, about we, that stuff? 
Well, it's a it's a pretty big topic question. The the thing I would ask you to consider is is that put in context, there's always been a requirement for females doing protection, right? There's always been a requirement for it. And there's always been females that do it. That's just the case. Now, from what I've seen, sometimes there's more, sometimes there are less, but that has existed since I, when I first went through the first class for COBETs, there were females in that class, right? There were women in that class. Now, females aren't part of society. They are 51% of society, right? So, so there are fewer females in the industry. Now, I don't know why that is. That's not, I, I, I don't, I don't know why that is, but there are fewer of them. So if you think of all the guys that do this stuff for, for work, and you think of all of them that are worth a shit based on that total number of guys, and you, you can come up with your own percentage, right? It's your thing. Right, right, right. Now let's take a smaller sliver of that and say, all right, so a smaller percentage of those guys are women. Let's take that same percentage of, of worth a shit that we used for the guys and apply it to the smaller total number. Then you're going to end up with even fewer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's because, because there's not too many people in this business anyway. Yeah. To begin with, <laughs> to begin with, and then you take a smaller percentage of, of women. So women have always been, in the industry. The industry is so, and I use that term, I don't even like using the term because the industry is so, it's hard to define it. It's not really clearly yeah, defined. There's always, vast. yeah, there's always been women doing protection. Uh, and every once in a while, and God bless them all, I'm happy for everybody that makes any living doing anything, but every once in a while there'll be a big surge of, of talking about this group doing this and this group doing this and this group doing this. God bless them all. There's always been women in the industry. There's always been women that were very, very good. And there's always been women that weren't worth a shit. And guess what they have in common with the men? There's always been men in the industry. There's always been men that were very good. Always men that weren't weren't worth a shit. So we got them all. So real executive protection, and I'm based on my experiences, right? Uh, Involves so much logistics, so much planning, so much attention to detail. It involves so much more than just knocking the shit out of somebody, right? That there, that that the the difference in the sexes and physicality seldom comes into play. Right now, are there going to be opportunities for women that aren't available for men? Yes, mm-hmm. there will be yep. because you and I have both heard clients say, "I don't, I don't, I don't want a gas around." Yeah, I want female on my dog. Female, I want. Yeah. Or I want female on me. I don't want any, I don't want guys around this. Mm-hmm. We've heard that. And that's a very clear direction. So there's always opportunities for that. Uh, and there's always going to be jobs that aren't appropriate for everybody. There's mm-hmm. going to be jobs that, that aren't appropriate for me and that aren't appropriate for somebody else. There's going to be jobs that need the require a different skill set. Right. So is it hard to find good women to fill jobs. Yes. Is it hard to find good men to fill jobs? Yes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So you and I both know, uh, you and I both know women that are doing very, very well in the industry. Yeah. And we know women are looking for jobs. I don't really know that many right now, honestly. Uh, we both know guys that are making money and we both know guys that 
are looking for work. They're looking. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't, I don't really, unless somebody says I need a, I absolutely need a female for this job. I don't necessarily consider that that much. Mm. That's part of the requirements and that's part of the requirements. Yeah. Right. 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 Did that make sense? Did I do all right with that one? Oh, 100%. And it's funny because this, the two things come up in my mind. This industry can have its weird requirements. Yeah. I mean, like clients can be like, I want all black guys. Don't tell them I said it. <laughs> if you tell anyone I said it, I'll deny it. But you better find me all black guys. You know what I mean? Or I want women for this. Or, you know, like I want, you know, this and that and the next thing. You know, it's funny because it, it happens, you know. Or I had a really good buddy. Get squared away, top of the line, clean guy. I mean, better than me at, at executive protection. And he did an interview and they were like, you know, you seem like you're really good at this job, but you're just not hood enough because <laughs> he wasn't ghetto enough. They were like, damn, next. I don't think, damn, I don't think I would qualify for that gig either. <laughs> right. You know, so it's like, all right, cool. You know, I want to, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. He well, came back to I, me. He's like, I guess I wasn't hood enough, man. I was like, well, that's a first. <laughs> I'll write that um, down. Not hood enough. Yeah. The, uh, right. Uh, I, yeah, I've had clients ask, I need, I need somebody that's bigger, I need somebody smaller, I need somebody yeah. that's bigger, but doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. You know, uh, I had one client that liked this one uh, smaller person uh-huh. on all the stuff, except when they went to these individual places, and then they wanted somebody bigger. Uh-huh. And we used yeah. to tease the guy that was smaller all the time because we said, right, now we're going to swap you out. We're going to swap you out for a larger model and then we'll swap you back in and he yeah, would make yeah. a fortune. So it didn't piss him off too bad, but right, uh, right. I, I can't speak about the challenges that you've had in the job. I can't speak about the challenges somebody else has had in the job. So mm-hmm. I can't speak about those things. However, I can say that there's plenty of work for people that can do it. Yeah. Now, yeah. It might not be jobs that they want to do. Mm-hmm. might not be enough money might be too much travel might not be enough travel might not fit in the rest of their lifestyle but you know as well as i do people are always looking for people oh yeah there's revolving doors everywhere around here yeah, yeah. you know you just got to know how to market yourself and 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 foster the right relationships <laughs> you know that's really i think what really in the end uh that whole network becomes your net worth thing i've found a lot of utility in that yeah and absolutely. uh doing good work and being a good person it's it's a type of equity. <laughs> I sure, feel like sure, people sure. call you back. So it's the equity, it's yeah. the one that counts. It's the equity that counts. Yeah, it's the one you can control. Right, you can control yeah. that. Um, I knew somebody got in the industry uh, that came to the school a long time ago, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, she was new to the world, new to the industry, and she worked worked her ass off and got very good at it. You met her, uh, Jessica. You met her during the class, right? She oh, yeah. works her ass off. So she worked her ass off and she put herself in position. She worked very hard and she's doing fine now. She's doing very well. Yeah. Uh, I, I've known uh, people that came through similar circumstances and they didn't do well at all. You know, mm-hmm. they just didn't, they didn't turn it into something. Now that might be part of their fault, part of their environment, part of nobody's fault. We can't control all that stuff. Right. 
uh, last big question, and then we'll get into our closing questions here. Sure. What, um, as far as growing up, you know, growing up in the game, what was that like, and what what kind of pitfalls or any anything that stands out to you about those experiences? You know, that's a big one. It's a disaster waiting every second. Number one, right? It's a disaster waiting yeah. every second. Um, Murphy started around the corner. <laughs> it's right around the corner. Uh, so the pitfalls that I noticed most of all were the, the biggest one that I noticed was letting it get in your head, letting it, letting it get in your head, whatever it was, whether it was your success, whether it was a time that you dropped a ball, whether something bad happened that you had nothing to do with, you let that get in your head and, and it informs the whole rest of the day. I had a thing, uh, a client, a guy working a client and he, he fucked up pretty seriously. He mentioned another client's security and that's a big no, no. Right. And, right. And, it, and it immediately turned to shit and spiraled. Yeah. And we tried to salvaging and the advice from somebody that I trusted said, no matter what, he cannot change his behavior. He does the same job he did before. He does everything he did before. And this event, will vanish because this was a one of event. Was it a mistake of the heart or was it a mistake of just a, a, a screw up? Which one was it just an accident mistake, you know? And uh, the guy couldn't do that. He kept returning to that mistake. And then eventually we had to, we banished him to his hotel room and they had to stay there for two days and then we sent him home. So Man. that happens, right? Uh, yeah. So get, letting stuff get up in your head is a big mistake that I've seen people make and that I made uh, multiple times. Um, mm -hmm. I never thought that their life was my life. I never had to worry about that. I never got, I never let that get up in my head. Uh, mm -hmm. I never felt that what they, that their life was my life. Um, the, uh, I think the priority is, is to, is to, to, to be prepared in your head, your advanced work, your risk assessment work, your understanding the client, uh, that's what I saw. Now, if you want to get down to the individual event things, airports are always going to turn to shit. Drivers aren't going to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, just, phone, your phone, your comms aren't going to ever work. Right. All that stuff is waiting for you all the time. It's and we, real. we know that. Yeah. We know yeah, that yeah. stuff. It's a and those slow are really, Tuesday in the game. Yeah. And those are, those are always things that are waiting for us. And I don't really consider them pitfalls. I just consider them part of the, part of the environment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people often if they come into something especially if they come from a client that was difficult to be around or if they come from an environment where they weren't particularly valued sometimes mm. then it makes them very susceptible to you're doing a good job you're not doing a good job right mm. if, if I let the fact that somebody says I'm doing a good job impact me, then I'm inviting them to say, you're not doing a good job. And I'm going to let that impact me too. Right. When I need evaluation from something that I'm doing, I'm doing the people I trust. Right. I'm in front of a class. I can look at that class and see whether I'm connected with them. I either I am or I'm not. And if I'm not at least 50% of it's my fault. I can do something about it, but there's going to be some people you can't connect with. There's going to be some clients you can't make happy. There's going to be some people in relationships you can't make happy. 
that's just it. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that was great. It becomes about self-respect and mm-hmm. uh, that looking in the mirror and managing control, what you can control kind of conversation once again. Sure, sure. You know. Um, hey, did you like that? Did you like that uh, podcast I did for Ripito for starting strength? Yes, did you like that? Yes, absolutely. I love that, man. I mean, honestly, that podcast, I could have created a whole, our, all of our questions based on that podcast because he told some good <laughs> stories in there. And there was a lot of stuff I was like, man, you know, uh, that was fantastic. You know, it was, I'm glad uh, you liked that. He, uh, I, uh, that was one of those moments where, you realize that you're old and you can still learn stuff. So, yeah. So I bought his book concerning strength training and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. relatively recently, um, yeah, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, and it really impacted the way I changed to do business. I've gotten stronger since then. I've gotten, uh, uh, everything's better. I'm better at helping people get strong, which I don't yeah. do very often, but, um, I've gotten better at helping people get strong. So that book is a big impact. If I was, was going to recommend a few, again? The um, I laid it over here, and once again, you can buy a million of these, and it won't make any difference to me financially. Because I, but <laughs> yeah, for if, sure. if I would, I would get this book, Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training. Okay. And then, no matter how old you are, I would buy this book too, the Barbell Prescription. It says for barbell, barbell training, Barbell Prescription for barbell training after forty. It says for after forty, but the the programming is for after forty, but the first half of that book and the program is very valuable for people that are geezers. But the first half of that book talks about things like the metabolic syndrome and things like that. And it lays out, it lays it out in language that is very accessible. So it tells you why it's important. So that barbell prescription is the why the starting strength basic barbell training is the how is the way I view those two books. I would buy them both. They're cheap. They're not much. And you're going to have the why and the how. No, I dig it. And yeah, you're definitely still looking real dangerous. The last time I saw you, I was like, I love that. I appreciate that, man. When you see a man and he's dangerous, that's, I was at the beginning of that movie, that Navy SEAL movie. um, Oh man, I forget. Acts of Valor. And he talks about how his dad said one of the most painful things about getting older is that you notice other men don't perceive you as dangerous anymore. And I yeah, and it made me kind of think like, yeah, yeah, it's at the beginning of Act of Valor that that Navy SEAL movie, and I was like, man, that's I don't even consider this right now, you know. No, but no. I, that's something to think about, you know. I, I appreciate that's interesting. That. But yeah, no, that was a good that was a good uh, good podcast. It's a good camp. Um, yeah, it looked like when I looked at the website and the stuff, it looked like everyone, all shapes, sizes, ages, everybody was getting in there doing some good work, improving. Kind of look like a family, really. It looked like you guys have a real tight knit group of folks over there. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's funny. Uh, barbell training is one of those things that um, it has to be internal because if it's external, then all somebody has to do to to beat me in a competition is be stronger than me. That's all they got to do. And that ain't. And there's a lot of people. Much. There's yeah. a lot of people stronger than me. So, so yeah, the so so there's when you're lifting with people, you can get in sort of friendly competitions with them. And at the higher level, they can get shitty acting. But at the level that I'm at, you're lifting with people, you're, you want everybody to get stronger. You want their uh, personal best to be better than before. They want, you want them to have a personal best. So because it's measurable, 
you know, if I'm, if I'm deadlifting 150 pounds more than somebody, then why, what are we going to compete over? There's no competition. I'm trying to get you better. And you're trying to get me better. And the, and the yeah. techniques and stuff work. Um, I'm fortunate. I, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, looking to, uh, I don't have nothing to sell. I don't have anything to sell. Yeah. I don't have any widgets I'm selling. I don't have anything to sell. So it puts me in a position and I can make recommendations from where you believe it from what I absolutely what I believe, you know? So, uh, the executive protection Institute, I've been there for a long time. I feel that they, uh, I feel very strongly about the, the lesson plan. I feel very strongly about the presentation and I support, uh, what Dr. Kobet started a long time ago when I need to recommend, uh, training, any kind of physical training, I go to, to the, to starting strength. So I go to startingstrength.com, go to barbell restriction. When I need a good driving school, I go to the vehicle dynamics Institute. I don't know. Do you know that Joe Altieri, you know, I I go to, yeah, I, I send, I send people to him. I send people to Joe Altieri at vehicle dynamics Institute. I've used them for a long time and I send people there and I'm very happy with them. Um, I'm always on the lookout for people that I can, recommend other people go to for learning you know yes sir 100 you got um do you work with um jerry and jennifer jacobs does that name sound familiar uh it's uh jacobs corporate solutions.com are you familiar with those guys jerry jacobs i know this yes i i don't work with them but i mean we've shaken hands we've had some conversations and i hope to have them on the show here this this season yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, they've started something that's kind of interesting. I haven't participated in it, but I know him and I know mm-hmm. his uh, his wife, Jennifer, and they've started. They're sort both of a, in the game, right? They're both, both their executive protection. The and, yeah. um, I think he was talking about leadership or something last time we were. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, I, I talked to him the other day and they are looking at uh, details from the big picture. So uh, you would bring them in and provide a, and evaluate how your perhaps a detail could be better structured structured from a personnel standpoint. Right, and I, right. I've always felt that, and I don't, I haven't seen the results of that. But I, based on who's involved, Jennifer and Jerry, I know that that would be that would be well done. You know, they do a good job with that. Yeah. Um, like Frank Frank Gallagher, uh, I've worked with him over the decades. He's got a book called the The Bremer Detail, right? Okay, it's yeah. easy to recommend that book, right? He was on, he was at Kissinger's. He he's done a, a tremendous amount of uh, of clients, especially uh, in war zones. And he wrote the book, The Bremer Detail. Why why wouldn't somebody, if you want to know about that from Frank's perspective, who's mm-hmm. done the work, who's been there, why wouldn't you that buy work. that book and read it? It's sitting there waiting for you, you know. Uh, yeah. The uh, yeah, I mean it's it. The information's out there if you're available to it, mm-hmm. um, and it. Uh, and I'm I'm happy. I'm fortunate to have a a venue where I can support people that have helped me over the years. I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. That's valuable. Mm-hmm. There was one that, and that Jerry Jerry Jacobs. I, I, what he was saying was ultra interesting to me because he was talking about how there's not a clear. Um, not necessarily path, but there's not a lot of assets to help people develop in the executive protection game from being field agents into leadership and things of that nature. And I remember him talking about a lot of his stuff designed to help people 
make that transition from being, you know, out in the field into leadership. So I, you just reminded me, man, I'm supposed to, I, I, I've got to look into some of that stuff and I'd love to have him come and take a look at some of the things I'm doing because he's got the experience and uh, some real power. Some people that I really trust have been really vouching for him and me and him talking have been real positive. And his wife's doing something interesting too. Uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but. Sure. sure. Yeah. She's competent. She's doing the job, right? She's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he doesn't need me to speak about him. He was the Lieutenant in charge of the damn governor detail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's made he, doesn't need, he doesn't need me to say anything nice about him. He's yeah. doing fine without it. You know, um, same for all of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. They've built some things that are valuable. Yeah. One thing I remember from that class that I got, I've got to hit you with before we, uh, one last one last thing I remember was weakness. Yes. What would weakness. you say about weakness? <laughs> this got me. I was like wanting to say amen. You know, it, at the end of the day, it is the worst thing to be. Being <laughs> weak. <laughs> yep. Being weak is the worst thing to be. If you and I, if yeah. we're riding around and we stop at old age home and we walk down that hallway and it smells like pine saw and piss and despair and hopelessness. And we walk in there and yeah. we kneel down beside that old lady that's having the, the, uh, the, the pain patches peeled off her back by yeah. the healthcare services, methed out boyfriend. And we say, <laughs> would you prefer to be flexible? Would you prefer to have more endurance? What, what would you prefer? Or would you prefer to be strong enough to get up and walk your own ass to the bathroom? Yeah, would you still be at your house. Your, still be at your house. So weakness is the worst thing that there is. And that's it. And when you're faced with most people physically, the vast majority of them, overwhelming vast majority of them, number one, they don't even know how weak they are. They have no right. concept of that. So the easiest way to improve their performance across the board is to make them stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, there'll be other considerations. But in the beginning, the most important thing you can do is make them, is help them get stronger. Now, everybody likes to piss and moan about that. Oh, John, you don't know how quick I am. I've got some small joint manipulation, super cool technique. I'm a ground fighting fucking machine. I'm a pressure yes! control master. I am a God damn, I've got things on my keychain. You don't know how goddamn cool I am. I could do all this stuff. Great. Let me help. Let me show you how to get stronger, and then you'll better be better at that stuff too. <laughs> exactly. And and getting strong is um, getting strong is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, but it's simple to do. So. It's hard in that you got to get under the bar mm-hmm. and you got to do the work. It's yeah. simple and that it's a very clear cut path. It's oh, yeah. you do this and you add a little bit of weight every time and you'll get strong. It's yeah. no way not to do it. Uh, so it, if I see somebody acting passive aggressively, I see somebody screwing up. Somebody pulls out in front of me on a couple. You know what the problem is? They're fucking weak. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Generally, uh, yeah. yeah. And it uh, it's the absolute worst thing. And I flexible's nice. Everything's nice. Everything's wonderful. Get strong, and then and then do that. I've got a if if you guys want to look at it, uh, I've got an author's page on the Starting Strength website, and I've got a few articles there. 
or yeah. out rant at will about that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Well, well yeah, did, did that answer your question about weakness? Sir? 100%, man. When I heard that, I was like, oh, yes. Because this is, <laughs> I live my life that way, man. Weakness is, it's just the worst thing, man. There's no other yes. way to say it, you know? It's yes. horrible. Yeah. And I wanted to say amen so loud. <laughs> I was like, get them. Because it's just, and it's like, we're not being mean. I'm telling you this yeah. out of love for you, you know? It's like, your life will be better. People can depend on you. Like, everything will be enhanced. Get strong, do the work. Yes. It's yes. fantastic. That's just fantastic. And any of the links you want uh, from your, your website or the rants and all that stuff, the books that you mentioned, if you could just send me a list of those things and I'll just throw them at the bottom of this this uh, podcast episode so people can find them. All right. I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you an email. Did you did you get out of this what you what you wanted to talk about it? Is it is it was it yes, helpful sir. to you? You think it was entertaining? Absolutely. It was entertaining for me. I don't know if it was entertaining for your audience or not. No, it's been it's been good. I got a few more I want to hit, hit you with, just our sure. usual ones. Sure. The um, favorite quote, mantra. Your favorite, uh, you got a favorite quote or anything like that? I, you know what? I, I, um, I don't know that I've got a favorite quote right now. Uh, I'll go with a with a classic Ripito quote is. Uh, Strong people are harder to kill than weak people and more useful in general. That's, <laughs> That's like that good. Quite a bit. I like that quote quite a bit. Don't, don't let people rent space in your head. I think that should be my mantra more often than it is. I still let people annoy me more than I should. That's awesome. Yeah, I got that one written down. Uh, yeah. How would you like to be remembered? Good at what I do. Good at what good I do. What I do. Yeah, Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a habit that you do, <laughs> a habit or anything that you do that you think people should look at that make them better protectors or better people overall? Deadlifts. <laughs> deadlifts, <laughs> boy, you better get them deadlifts in. That's awesome. We're gonna, it's, it's gonna be on the cover of this episode so they get to see you in action. Very good. Which, which one are you gonna go with? You're gonna go with the lockout one where I'm wearing that goofy little onesie? Or are you gonna go with yeah. the one where I'm struggling with a little bit before that? Those onesies I think are I like I like the onesie one, man. I already oh. I already had it cut out. I took it out of the I took it off the I, I was like, this is the one, man. Cause you just look so awesome, you know. It got the veins going, the tattoos out, you know. You can only look so out. cool when a, you can only look so cool in a onesie, Byron. You can only look so yeah, cool. I know. <laughs> it's the truth, man. It's the truth. That's why wrestlers wear, man. You can't mess with wrestling. You gotta watch out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh man, well that's been it's been an honor having you here, John. Um, uh, it, it's been great to spend this time. I hope we can do that second episode and talk about some other things too. Sure, um, sure. But outstanding. So y- y'all pay attention. Big John's going to come back. We'll mix it up a little bit here in the future again. But yeah, it's been an honor and a privilege to have this conversation with you, sir. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's my pleasure. It was an honor to talk to you, and thanks for. Uh, Thanks for coming through the school and, and enjoying yourself and participating fully, fully in everything. And, and uh, I'm glad you're doing well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I know you're, you're the type of guy like me, like, and this is kind of rare too. I appreciate this about you. I want to see everybody doing good, man. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you mentioned that a few times, man. I just want to see everybody having all the millions they want and, 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 and the love yeah. and, 
you know, let's, let's get, let's financially, let's get to a point where we're debating what to do with multi-million dollars. Let's get to a point where we're debating how to take your, your deadlift from 600 to 610. You know, let's, right. let's get, let's all get to that point where we can have those discussions, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Thank you once again, Big John. Looking forward to, to our next meeting. You're welcome, sure. brother. Be safe. You got it. All right. Bye. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Ballistic Theory. You're going to start seeing a lot of stuff with me in Ballistic Theory because they got good ammo for good prices. Use Byron for my discount with those guys as well. Last but not least, Executive Protection Institute. Hey, go check them out and get your executive protection education on. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. Out. Boom.